Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Those nice, nice, nice people at the Community Radio Network. Make sure that this program is heard all over Australia, north to south, east to west, up and down. It's also streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And if life interrupts as you're listening to the Anarchist World This Week, don't despair. Save the kitty from drowning from the backyard pool. Forget about me, because the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. And we wonder what anarchy is all about. I've heard a lot of people talk about anarchy in the last few months or few weeks, but nobody knows what it is. Anarchos without rulers. What is the major task of anybody who calls themselves an anarchist? How do you create a society without rulers? So you look at what makes a ruler. So it's inequalities in power and wealth which give rulers the ability to control the futures and lives of billions of people on this planet. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share power and share wealth. It's a simple struggle. So if you're involved in a struggle to share power and share wealth, well, whether you know it or not, you're an anarchist. And that means there's hundreds of millions of you out there. And you don't need to be radicalised because you're already radicalised because you're involved in struggles to devolve power, that's share power, and share wealth. Now let's look at some more pedestrian things. And there's been a lot of pedestrian things happening in your life and my life recently. And most of it revolves around culture, social attitudes, politics, and then it goes on and on. And uh, I was very interested today, or the last few days, to hear the federal government's next election mantra. That's right. It's only been five months since uh, they won the unwinnable election, and they're getting organised to release their next campaign for the next federal election in two and a half years' time. And it's all about Middle Australia. That's right, Middle Australia, the great unwashed, Middle Australia. So they think they've got to hold on power, this is the federal government, the Liberal National Party, for the next three decades. 
because they're going to appeal to middle Australia. They're going to appeal to all those Australians who are growing a little bit old and are looking at their superannuation funds slowly growing. They're going to appeal to all those Australians who've got permanent jobs. And all those Australians are, you know, who are, you know, are on short-term contracts. And most importantly of all, they're going to appeal to all those Australians who are in debt. That's right, that's middle Australia. That's us, you and me, listeners to this program. We won't talk about the rest of Australia. I'll talk about them in a minute because they don't really matter. It's just us. We're the ones that matter. All those people out there who believe the constant propaganda that we live in an egalitarian community, that everybody is equal, that if we all work hard and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and I've never seen any bootstraps, to be honest, I think it's the 19th century concept, you know, we'll all get there. We'll all become part of middle Australia and own our quarter-acre block, or is it 124-square-metre apartments somewhere in some urban metropolis? So their pitch to middle Australia is an interesting pitch because it's a pitch to greed... It's a pitch to people who are basically interested in themselves and their immediate family. It's a pitch to those Australians who are in work, who somehow believe they will continue to be in work. It's a pitch to those Australians who think political correctness has gone off the scale. It's a pitch to those Australians who are up to their neck in debt in order to ensure their children are educated and they've got a roof over their head. It's a pitch to insecurity. It's about creating an insecure environment, whether it's about another world war or a war in the Middle East or losing your job or interest rates going up or crime. It's about fostering insecurity in the community and creating a them and us mentality. So who are not part of Middle Australia? Well, obviously you've got that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. The Mr. Joyce of the world who take home $65,000 a day, which isn't very much when you think about it. You know, 65000 a day. I mean, what's the new sale allowance? 240 a week or 260 you know. And it's all those CEOs who get their bonuses every year, irrespective of what happens to their company. And it's all about those billionaires and their hanger-on as friends and mates and all those people involved in the financial sector. They're not in middle Australia. They're in the stratosphere. Middle Australia is that section of the population that pays their taxes, obeys the laws and gets screwed every day. That's middle Australia. That's middle Australia. And that's what this government is about. It's about... Division. It's about creating division 
and hatred in the community. Whether that hatred is directed at people who, you know, receive social security benefits, not welfare. I'm sick of the word welfare, and I'm sure you're all sick of it too. It's not welfare. It's a bargain. It's a social security benefit. We as a community look after those people who need some support, whether they're single parents, whether they're unemployed, whether they're disabled, whether they're elderly, who can no longer participate in the private marketplace. And we get a secure community in return, which is not racked by division, crime, anguish, and the list goes on and on. So it's a social security benefit. We have 30% of Australians who are now social security beneficiaries. Then we have all those other Australians who don't have a permanent job, who are on short-term contracts, you know, pedalling bicycles, you know, delivering um, food for a pittance with no protection. So there are, and then we have the usual suspects, all those people who will never, never in a fit find themselves on the doorstep of Middle Australia. So while this government continues to dehumanise, criminalise trade unionists, social security beneficiaries, and certain sections of our community because they may look different. Be part of our First Nation, be part of the First Nations of this country. You begin to realise that this campaign of division and hatred has consequences. That's very funny, isn't it? And I'll talk about Mr John Setka in a few minutes and the concept of collective punishment. But it's funny, isn't it? Mr Setka says that the crossbenchers, if they support the new uh, union-busting uh, legislation, there'll be consequences, political consequences. But there's never any consequences for people who go out of their way to pit Australian against Australian, go out of their way to pauperise people, go out of their way and use the state apparatus to humiliate people criminalise people. No consequences as far as they're concerned, are there? Because they're born to rule. Or they're there. Now, I could go on about Middle Australia, but Middle Australia's got a problem. It needs to make a decision. It needs to make a decision whether its future and security is all about supporting a legislative agenda which criminalises and dehumanises people and causes divisions in Australia or supporting an agenda that brings Australians back together as a community. It's got to make that choice. And although the fear merchants are out there creating insecurity in middle Australia... They need to be very careful because if they overplay their hand 
and they're in the process of overplaying their hand, you may find that middle Australia will strike back. And my belief is the people in middle Australia who work hard, pay their taxes, pay their rent and mortgages, you know, count out of the boss, will sooner or later, like the people of Hong Kong, turn on those people who take their support for granted, who show them such little respect. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, have you ever heard of just-in-time capitalism? Most likely not. Because, you see, I'm going to use those horrible four words again. During the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution that has swept over this land over the last 44 decades, over the last four decades or so, we have seen the concept of just in time being introduced to every aspect of human activity in Australia. And what just in time means is having just enough products in a manufacturing site to build products, you know, for the next 24 hours. Just in time means having enough food on supermarket shelves and shop shelves and food and vegetables and whatever, the basic necessities of life, for the next two to three to four days, possibly a week. And just in time means having only enough diesel and petrol in tanks around the country, in refineries around the country, to provide petrol and diesel for the community for the next, say, two weeks, two and a half weeks maximum. So just-in-time capitalism is at the pointy end of that desire to create profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. And currently, with the situation in the Middle East... What we are seeing is the concept of just-in-time capitalism being questioned. Because of all the sovereign states around the planet, Australia is at most risk from the concept of just-in-time capitalism where profitability, private profitability, is put before national security. Now, I know this federal government has earned its brownie points by exploiting the idea of security, whether it's the big bad, you know, hordes in China, all those little people in their little boats trying to overrun Australia. But the reality is that just-in-time capitalism is a much, 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 much bigger security threat than any threat from China or the Middle East or from boat arrivals. Just-in-time capitalism is a recipe for civil unrest, is a recipe 
for stagnation is a recipe for not actually as a nation being able to deal with security threats. It is a recipe for disaster. And if all of all the countries in the world where just-in-time capitalism should be rejected, Australia should be at the front of the line. We don't have a, a rail system in this country. We rely on trucks and diesel to distribute pharmaceutical and goods around the country. When you've got 19 days supply of diesel and you rely on 60% of your diesel is imported, you've got a problem, especially if you're on an island at the bottom of the earth. So this concept of just-in-time capitalism not only needs to be raised, but it needs to be addressed. It's not just a matter of security in terms of security in times of uh, war or threats, but security in times in a period where natural disasters seem to be or are increasing as a result of the climate emergency which we are currently facing. So just-in-time capitalism may be good for company profitability, but it's no good for us as a nation-state. It is a disaster which waiting to happen. You think about it. Think about if the bowsers run dry, what that means. Think about if there's not enough food on the supermarket shelves, what that means. There's not enough police or armed forces in the, in the country, you know, to restore order in such a critical situation. So instead of creating storage facilities like the United States of America has, we have nothing. We rely on them releasing a little bit of, uh, you know, oil into our coffers in times of an emergency. So just-in-time capitalism, a great, great concept. And there's another great concept which makes Middle Australia so strong in the 21st century, and that's superannuation. If there is one thing which has radicalised Australians to become free marketeers, in inverted commas, and worshippers at the altar of mammon, it's superannuation. Not the concept of superannuation about money being put aside for your old age to assist you to live a reasonable lifestyle when you can no longer earn an income in a capitalist society. But the concept, those tens of billions of dollars which are collected and sitting in superannuation funds are then used to keep the world's stock market afloat, are invested in the very system that exploits us. And that's the dilemma. When you have working people seeing their future tied up with the future of the world's stock markets, with the future of the financial sector, in an era where there is no or minimal return from interests on cash deposits, you 
change people's mentality. And if there was one thing which ensured the Liberal Federal Liberal National Party was re-elected, it was the Labor Party's policy to attack the sacred cow of franking credits. Because we now have people who are wage earners, people who are pay-as-you-earn taxpayers, now being totally incorporated into the capitalist marketplace. Their very future is totally dependent on the future of the marketplace. And we are now seeing that there are so much superannuation funds being pumped into the private sector, we are now seeing significant changes in how financial markets work. I'll give you an example. I know this is very boring, but ultimately sometimes we need to look at boring things in order to understand you know, what's happening around us and why we find ourselves in this situation. Now, currently, if it wasn't for government increased government employ- employment through construction projects and other projects, we'd be in the middle of a recession because the private sector although he continues to pay extraordinary amounts of money to his CEOs while, you know, uh, trying to, uh, you know, outlaw trade unions in this country. Not that there's much to outlaw these days. The fact is that share market investment is driven by the concept of return. What that means is that people buy shares not because they go up and down or shares are bought in the stock market on their behalf through their superannuation funds, but they're bought because of the return that they receive every year if the company continues to be profitable. So what that means is that profits which are made in the private sector are then distributed to shareholders. They're not used to expand the business or improve the conditions and wages of the people who create those profits. But those profits return to the shareholders and that's why we've seen, as I say ad nauseum, we've seen the equation being turned on its head. Forty years ago, for every dollar which was created as profit, two-thirds would, would have gone back to the workers who created the profit and one-third would have gone to the investor. Today, two-thirds goes to the investor and one-third goes to the worker. So that means that what we are seeing is increasing unemployment and underemployment among younger people while older people's superannuation returns continue to increase while the private marketplace continues to dominate economic activity. So we have seen profound shifts since the mid-1990s in the way Middle Australia identifies. And Middle Australia no longer identifies as working people. They identify themselves as shareholders 
they identify themselves as investors, although they may be pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. And the more profitable people in middle Australia are using disposable income to buy rental properties or second or third properties in order to legally decrease their taxation burden, which means in the long run, which means in black and white, when I talk about decreasing taxation burden, what that means is there's less money for public institutions like health, education, and the list goes on and on, especially when more and more money, which is raised from taxation, is used to fund the corporate sector and increase a burgeoning security and military industrial complex, which is becoming more and more important in this country. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. If you'd like to become a member of public interest before corporate interest, you're concerned about CEO salaries, you're sick and tired of being at the bottom of the heap, you're sick and tired of being kicked around, you're sick and tired of being treated as a criminal, there's no point complaining. Nobody cares. You need to fight back. Join public interest before corporate interest. Become a member of this new political party which wants to put the interests of the many before the interests of the few. Go to the website... Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download the application form. Download the application form. Join. Once we've got 550 members, we'll apply to register as a federal political party. We both work public interest before corporate interest works both basically extra-parliamentary and parliamentary. All right. Now, you could always, if you haven't got a computer, don't worry. You can write to me at post office box 20. Parkville 3052 and ask for some application forms. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052 and ask, as I said, ask for application forms. Or you can leave a message on 0439 395 489. Don't forget our motto, we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the opposition. We are the people we've been waiting for. We are the opposition. And... You can be an opposition of one and get nowhere. You can be an opposition of many and you can actually begin to have a significant impact on the direction this country is taking because what we've seen in the last five months is a classical example of what happens when people who are basically parliamentary puppets for that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange, communication, dominate the legislative uh, agenda where we see that trade unions are criminalised, people on social security benefits are humiliated, legislated out of the uh, Australian dream. Now, just a few things just to remember while we're halfway through the program. If you are in Melbourne on the 18th of September, which is a Wednesday, Join us on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House between 5.30 and 6.30pm for the Public Housing Everybody's Business campaign. Uh, Steps to a Home, go to our uh, Instagram page, Steps to a Home, and the list goes on and on. Now, if by some chance your AFL, that's the Australian Football League team, is going to be part of the grand final, pre-grand final march through the city 
where the uh, footballers, captains, you know, turn up at, and everybody in their little cars. And there's a public holiday on Friday, the uh, 27th of September in the city of, in Victoria, in the city of Melbourne. And you're going to come and see your uh, people. Or if you've got a public holiday, you've got a free day. And I know many people will be working on that public holiday. Why don't you join us on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House? We're doing a 24-hour steps to a home, public housing, everybody's business, Vigil. We don't protest. Vigil. We want to wake people up. 11.30pm. That's right. PM. Thursday the 26th of September to 11.30pm Friday the 26th of the 27th of September. Great day. On the steps of the Victorian Parliament. Watch the cavalcade. Watch the football crowds. Interact. Put forward public housing as a solution. I was very interested to hear the House, Federal Housing Minister in the last 24 hours state the Commonwealth Government supplies $6 billion to support housing. I'm thinking to myself, what, what, what? Well, 95% of that is rent assistance, which basically means money for landlords. It's very simple. Money for landlords. It's not about building new public housing. And I noticed that the mayors of the capital cities are trooping up to Canberra to, you know, to talk to the federal government about money for social housing. Social housing, affordable housing, community housing. It's all in the private sector. What's wrong with the concept of public housing? What's wrong with the concept of public housing? It's as if the word Public has become a four-letter word. Although it's six letters. <laughs> you know, it's as if somehow using the word public is akin to having a social disease, you know? I mean, we privatise public space. We privatise public utilities. We privatise public services. And then we bitch about it later on when you don't get the service you want. And when somebody like us talks about the public, public interest before corporate interest, talks about the many before the few, it's as if we are murdering Satanists. Extraordinary. What an extraordinary situation we find ourselves in. We've got the mayors trooping to Canberra asking for more social housing. How about asking for more public housing? Well, we've got the ridiculous situation in the state of Victoria where I live where the Labor government is hell-bent on privatising what's left of the public housing sector, where it won't use the word public, where it wants to see the community, the affordable, the social, so-called housing sector, I call the private housing sector, dominate the marketplace. And we've been campaigning since December 2016 with no traction, minimal success, because the usual suspects are not there. The church groups aren't there. The volunteer groups aren't there. The action groups aren't there campaigning for public housing because they're all rubbing their hands in glee, thinking about the little empires they will create as the social and affordable and community housing sector expands. It's tragic. And it'll only turn around with your support. And as I said before, we are in the f- 
the first year of a four-year term, and we will continue this campaign in Victoria till the next state election. And I'm sure people across Australia find themselves, especially in New South Wales and to a lesser extent in uh, South Australia, find themselves in that situation where public housing is becoming non-existent, doesn't exist. It's no longer something important. And what we say is very simple. I mean, the Victorian government has made a decision to go on a construction orgy, right? Which will take a few minutes here and a few minutes there off train journeys and, you know, car journeys, spending billions of dollars and giving private corporations like Transurban extraordinary extension of their monopolies on roads, licence to print money over and over again while ignoring the public housing sector. Now, last year, over $6 billion was collected in public, collected in private housing stamp duty revenue. Every time you buy a private house, a flat, a unit, whatever, you pay stamp duty revenue, which is quite significant. $6 billion. Now, if you quarantine that $6 billion and slow down this orgy of construction, public construction... For the sake of public construction, you can house one million Victorians in public housing, which is about 20% of the population. Within a decade, that means secure housing where kids have the security of going to the same school, developing the same friendships, going to the same sporting clubs and social clubs, parks, instead of being moved on every few years because they're in the private rental sector whether it's community housing, affordable housing, social housing, private housing, the list goes on and on. So if you are interested in this campaign and want to join us between 11.30pm on Thursday the 26th of September to 11.30pm on Friday the 27th of September, just turn up. We're on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. It's a public holiday. Turn up. Watch your football heroes. Watch them parade around the city and then come and join us. Bring a musical instrument. Bring some food. 24-hour vigil. Come and join us. If you want to learn more about it, go to the webs- Go to the uh, Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing or Public Housing Everybody's Business or go to Instagram Steps to a Home. Or, you know, just go steps to a home and find out all about it. So the public housing sector is still strong. And it will be strong while people like us continue to agitate. Now, don't expect people who are tenants to agitate because they agitate, they're evicted, and then they're forced into a private rental market, which they can't afford. And don't expect the usual victims, you know, the usual suspects to be involved in the public housing struggle because they're all waiting to get that little bit of money to you know, extend their uh, social housing empire, their community housing empire and, the list, and their affordable housing empire. And don't wait on the mayors. All they're interested in is social housing. We've only got ourselves that we can rely on. So join us for this 24-hour vigil to put public housing back on the public agenda. I don't expect any politician at the state or federal level to take any interest in homelessness or housing security unless people force them to take an interest by taking 
mass action. Don't expect, because ultimately, we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the opposition. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, there's people out there saying, what about the dinners, Joe? Well, I am still conducting the dinners. I am thinking about them. But on the 18th of September, 7pm, if you're in the city of Melbourne, 7pm, La Poquetas, about 3.92, Ligon Street, Carlton North. That's uh, the 18th. And on the 25th of uh, September... We'll be back at Frankston at All You Can Eat at uh, the All Stars Restaurant at uh, it's about three fifteen a pm Highway in Frankston the All Stars Restaurant seven pm start again so that's two next uh, dinner engagements I'm there basically to talk to people about public interest before corporate interests trying to get more people to join up. Uh, a social setting for people like-minded, uh, like-minded interests. So come along. You won't be harangued. You'd be lucky if somebody says hello. No, I don't mean that. People will say hello. So uh, turn up. Now I'd like to talk about West Papua. It's interesting, isn't it? The longer you're involved in the project, the less interest there seems to be in the general community regarding that project. Now those of you who don't know what West Papua is all about. Well, West Papua is part of Indonesia after a bodgy so-called uh, election in the 1960s where they had about a 1,000 people vote who were handpicked by the government to join. And there's been an ongoing, active independence movement, both in the hills, where they've continued an armed struggle against the Indonesian takeover of West Papua, and politically. And five years ago, when my wife, Ellen Hosea, was alive, um, I had a meeting with some West Papuan refugees in Melbourne. When I got home, my wife asked me about the meeting. And I said, oh, well, we held it in one of the, you know, little, little lounge room, little rented flat. And she said, well, that's not good enough. What are you going to do about it? And what we did was create the West Papuan Rent Collective, and the West Papuan Rent Collective has one function. And that function is to pay the rent for an office to promote West Papuan independence. And that rent is paid through people pledging a dollar a day $365 a year towards the rent collective. And five years down that track, that office still functions and it has played a pivotal role in the West Papuan independence movement struggle in order to place West Papuan independence back on the United Nations decolonisation list. It has played a pivotal role. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we are having problems in terms of maintaining the rent collective. People somehow think that the office will continue to function ad nauseum 
whether the rent is paid or not. Life in a capitalist society doesn't work like that. And I am desperately, and the key word is desperately looking for new members for the West Parkwood Rent Collective. Now, if you're concerned about security, you can donate anonymously. You can donate through any Commonwealth bank. And when you think about it, a dollar a day isn't much to support the West Papuan independence movement. For 60 years they've been struggling. Over 500,000 people have died as a result of that struggle. And we're talking from a population of about 1.5 million. Not a huge population, like a population like East Timor. And people continue to die on a weekly, if not daily, basis because they have the audacity to, you know, talk about West Papua independence or wear a West Papua flag and the list goes on and on. Now, if you want to learn more, why don't you just go to the office? Suite 211, 838 Collins Street, Docklands, but I suggest you ring up 0420-250-389 before you turn up to make an appointment. Now, if you want to find out more about what they're doing, go to www.dfait.federalrepublicofwestpapua.org. It's very simple. Very simple. As I said before, we urgently need new members for the Rent Collective. We will have another West Papua Open Day sometime in December. We'll let you know when that will occur. But I think it's very important that we keep this independent struggle alive. And I can give a personal guarantee that every dollar that is donated goes to pay the rent. If you're a member of the West Papuan Rent Collective, that is the only function of the Rent Collective is to pay the rent. Now, just in case you're interested in the West Papuan independence struggle and you are living in Melbourne, there's a launch of a new album, CD, called The Joy of Freedom. That's right. We're not the only ones who enjoy freedom. Obviously, other people would love to enjoy freedom. The Pacific Pacific Voices Sing Out for West Papua, the Joy of Freedom concert. And it's to the concert is held to celebrate the launch of the album Joy of Freedom, songs of peace, hope and freedom from the Pacific. And we've got... uh, Quite an extraordinary range of uh, entertainers. We've got the Pacific Victoria Choir, the Black Sisters, Koran, the Black Orchid String Band, Izzy Brown from Combat Wombat, Anta Tammy and the Neighbours, and Sandra Wash Dancers. So it's this Saturday, that's right, this Saturday, the 21st of September, this Saturday the 21st of September, from 6pm at the Brunswick Town Hall, which is 223 Sydney Road, Brunswick. And 
an extraordinarily cheap night's entertainment. A $15 entry fee includes a delicious dinner which is served from 6.30pm by the West Papuan Dampo Sampari Catering. West Papuan Dampo Sampari Catering. So not only do you get to see all these extraordinary entertainers, not only do you support West Papuan Independence, not only do you support the Joy of Freedom album launch, but you also get food for $15. Any inquiries? Go to FRWP, women's office, at gmail.com. FRWP, women's office, at gmail.com. Or you can phone on 0402250389. That's 0402250389. But more importantly, just turn up on the night. You've got nothing to do. You've got 15 bucks in your pocket. You want a good meal, good entertainment, an album launch, support West Papua Independent Struggle, and we'll turn up 6pm from 6pm, Saturday the 21st of September, Brunswick Town Hall, 223 Sydney Road, Brunswick. But that's just one-off event. But if you really want to support the West Papua Independence Movement, find out about the West Papua Rent Collective. Come and join the Rent Collective. That's what it's about. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. And now I was interested... Look, I just want to talk about what's wrong with the Australian media. And I've got two examples I want to look at. One is the example of John Setka, who is the head of the Victorian branch of the construction division of the CFMMEU, the Construction, Forestry, Mining, Maritime, Energy Unions. All right. Now, unless you're blind, unless you're deaf. And you've got no access, and you got you can't use you know you got no access. You haven't had access to the world in the last six months. Well, you realise that the issue of John Set John Setka, the man, has become an issue, and he's become an issue, not in my opinion because of his behaviour, but because the federal government is hell-bent on passing legislation which is designed to root out any militancy that is left in a trade union movement whose hands and feet have been tied with legislation and its mouth and eyes being covered by legislation which makes striking illegal except through very small avenues during so-called enterprise bargaining agreement periods. Now, don't think that this is some legislation that has gone to Parliament because of Mr Setka. 
this legislation went to Parliament in 2017 and was rejected. And it's, good, it's got a very good chance of going through Parliament because not only is it supported by the Liberal National Party and the Divided Nation group, but the so-called independent crossbenchers seem to be keen to collectively punish the trade union movement for the behaviour of one individual. When a Caucasian or a white person rapes and murders a woman or rapes and murders a man, We don't call for the collective punishment of every white person on the, you know, in the country, do we? We don't. It makes it a little bit different when an African does it, or an Aboriginal or a Torres Strait Islander does it. We, you know, we, we're really keen for that collective punishment gene to come out and punish everybody, irrespective of who they are. But historically. Collective punishment has been a very important feature of all authoritarian governments. And it continues to be a feature of authoritarian governments. And now what we are seeing is 1.5 million unionists going to be collectively punished, not because of the legislation, because of the behaviour of individual. So think about it. So when Mr Setka says there will be consequences, political consequences, for the crossbenchers if they allow this legislation to go through Parliament, of course there will be consequences if 1.5 million unionists are basically consigned to the dustbin of history because of this legislation. Now the other example I have is a classic example. When some drones rained down on the Saudi Arabian uh, feudal monarchies, petrol tanks. What was the reporting about in this country? So in the John Setka situation, it's all about John Setka. It's not about the legislation and what that legislation is going to do to 1.5 million unionists and the threat the crossbenchers are making regarding one single unionist collectively punishing everybody else. It was the same with the reporting on what happened in Saudi Arabia you know, and, uh, and the Houthi rebels. There was no discussion about the three-year civil war that has occurred in, in Yemen, no discussion about the United States and Saudi Arabian-led alliance, which has been bombing schools in a war where the other side doesn't actually have planes on a regular basis and ambulances anything that moves, we've got the highest cholera rate in the world where tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people are starving to death because of this civil war. There's no discussion about the fact there is a war going on. What was the big headline in Australia? Petrol prices to go up. Petrol prices to go up. Middle Australia was crying. Petrol prices are going to go up. No discussion. And that's what we see in this country, this knee-jerk reaction. 
constantly from the government gelded ABC to the privately owned corporate media, this knee-jerk reaction which does not look at the background of issues, which is more interested in simplifying everything to such an extent that it becomes meaningless. Like the robo-debt case, which is going to go up into the, into the federal courts. Same concept. No discussion about the evil nature of this automatic robo-debt collection where people have killed themselves, people have suicided, where one in five don't actually have a debt and then have to prove they don't have a debt and spend weeks. Just an extraordinary situation. We never discuss the issue. When we hear that an executive gets $65,000 a day, we don't discuss the issue. But when we hear hear that 2 million people lost their benefits because they couldn't meet the requirements, we don't hear the discussion. It's just extraordinary. There is no discussion. And that's why people listen to the anarchist world this week. Because we try to look behind the issue. Whether it was just-in-time capitalism, whether it's about collective punishment of the trade union movement, and the list goes on and on. So, what can you do? Well, you can cry. It's not very useful, because you'll use up all your tissues. You can get angry. Not very useful. All you do is get a stroke. My advice is join a group. Get involved. Be part of the resistance. Don't like what I say? I'm sure there's other people who are saying things that you like. Join. Become active. Get off your ass. Stop being a clicked activist. Get out there on the streets. There are many, many options. If you want to pursue those options, whether you want to be a member of the West, uh, of the West Papua Rent Collective, give me a call. 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. If you want to become part of the public housing movement, join us on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, 5.30 to 6.30pm on September the 18th, or for a 24-hour vigil from 11.30pm on Thursday the 26th of September to 11.30pm Friday the 27th of September. Join the Wednesday Action Join. Join public interest before corporate interest. Look at my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Go to the go to the uh, our, uh, our YouTube channel. You like that? YouTube channel. Public interest before corporate interest. Twitter page, pipsy underscore au. Website, pipsy.net, anarchismedia.org. Facebook pages. As I said before, Joseph Toscano, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing Everybody's Business, tons of stuff coming up. We've got Eureka coming up on the 3rd of December. We've got, we got Peter Norman Day on the uh, 9th of October, Wednesday the 9th of October. So the list goes on and on. We've got Franco, Francesco Fantine Day. Listen to us next week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network next week. The Anarchist World this week. Look at all the websites. Give us a call. We can always write. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local 
Community Radio Station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. That phone number, 0439 395 489. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community radio satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.